This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to History Goes Bump Redux. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this Redux, we are going to be featuring Edinburgh Castle in Scotland. Kelly, are you ready to go back? I'm ready. There is a deep and rich history to Edinburgh Castle in Scotland. Over thousands of years, the castle has served as a fortress, a royal residence, and a prison. The castle still serves military purposes, but is open as a museum and tourist attraction today. There are many ghost tales connected to the castle, including spectral dogs, musical apparitions, and the spirits of prisoners of war. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Edinburgh Castle. Castle Rock is a formation that has existed for millions of years. Men lived on the rock starting in the Bronze Age in 860 BC. During the Iron Age, an ancient fort was erected on the site by the Gadadin, and they called it Din Iden. That name would later evolve into Eden, which has Britonic Celtic origins, and the city would be named Edinburgh from that time. Edinburgh eventually became the capital of Scotland and has been since the 15th century. Edinburgh was the center of Scotland during the 16th century Scottish Reformation, and the 17th century saw the people of Edinburgh building multi-storied buildings that were replaced with Victorian architecture in the 18th century. In 1889, Edinburgh officially became a city. The first king of Scotland took the throne in 1035 AD, and his name was Duncan I. King Duncan's eldest son, Malcolm III, became King of Scots in 1058 AD, and he built a castle atop Castle Rock. He married English princess Margaret of Wessex in 1069 or 1070, but he had been married before and had a son named Duncan from that marriage. King Malcolm III went off to fight the English at Northumberland in 1093, and he was killed there, along with the couple's eldest son. Margaret was gravely ill at the time, and the news of her huge loss took away any will she had to fight, and she too died. 
She was known as a pious woman, and her son David I built St. Margaret's Chapel to honor her. She was later declared a saint, St. Margaret. Duncan II became king after the death of Malcolm III, but this wasn't a clear succession. The Celts and Saxons had different rules about succession of kingship. The Celts believed in tanistry, which was a Gaelic system of passing on titles, while the Saxons believed in hereditary monarchy which is what we are most familiar with and involves the monarchy passing in just one family according to birth. Donald III was Malcolm III's brother, and he invaded Edinburgh when his brother died. He claimed the kingship, but his nephew, Duncan II, invaded in return, and he took over the kingship until he was murdered in 1094, and Donald III became king again until 1097. While that reign was going on, Duncan II's brother Edgar had claimed he was king in 1095, and he went about gathering support. He wouldn't officially be recognized as king until 1097. If you can follow all this, you're better than us. (laughs) (laughs) It was going back and forth. There was a lot of infighting, and I don't know how the people knew who was in charge at what time. But it gets even crazier. There are tales that Donald III then killed Edgar, and then Edgar's brother Alexander I killed Donald III and became king. Historians believe that it is more likely that Edgar was killed by someone else. Regardless, Alexander I ruled as king from 1107 to 1124. And then his brother David I became king. And he is the one that built the chapel for their mother, as Kelly mentioned earlier. The castle was no stranger to sieges during the Wars of Independence. Control of the stronghold switched hands often. The English eventually captured Edinburgh Castle and held it until Robert the Bruce's nephew, Thomas Randolph, climbed the side of the castle with his men in a daring night raid and recaptured the castle on March 14, 1314. Mary, Queen of Scots, spent a bit of time at the castle. It was more secure than her chambers at Holyrood. Her secretary Rizzio had been assassinated at Holyrood, and with Mary pregnant with her son James VI, she felt the castle would be a better place to give birth. She did give birth there in 1566. Legend tells a tale of a friend of the queen's using magic to project the horrible birth pains the queen was experiencing onto a servant. This started a time of turmoil in her life, and she was taken prisoner just two years later. She never returned to Scotland. Wouldn't that be nice if you actually had somebody who could just take stuff like that and throw it onto somebody else? (laughs) But the poor servant, she's probably like, thanks. Yeah. The monarchy of Scotland would pass through many family houses, including Dunkeld, Sphere, Balliol, Bruce, and Stuart. Queen Anne would be the last Scottish monarch, and her reign ended in 1707 with the merging of England and Scotland, and she became Queen of Great Britain and Ireland at that time until 1714, when she passed away. Members of the Stuart family continued for a few years after that to claim the throne of Scotland, but they failed. The current heir is Franz, Duke of Bavaria, but he has never pursued any claim to the throne. And then there was that little thing in 1971, when Ugandan President Idi Amin claimed to be the uncrowned king of Scotland. Kelly, they even made a movie about it. And all throughout these fights and changes in the monarchy stood Edinburgh Castle. Records on the early castle are vague. There seemed to have been something here called the Castle of Maidens at one time, and any structure was thought to have been of timber. The first stone structures were St. Margaret's Chapel and St. Mary's Church. The chapel is believed to be the last remnant of a square stone keep that had once stood that was similar to the other stone keep castles in the area. 
David II made Edinburgh Castle his principal seat of power in 1357, and he rebuilt the castle, adding David's tower in 1367. The tower no longer stands, but served as a prison for a while. Construction continued throughout the 1400s, and the crown square was laid over vaults in the 1430s. The beginnings of a palace block were laid out featuring royal apartments, and the Great Hall was built by 1458. An enormous weapon resembling a giant cannon was built by Jehan Kambler in 1449 and was named the Mons Meg. It could fire cannonballs up to 400 pounds in weight. Whoa! Did you get hit with one of those things? No. <laughs> the Mons Meg was shipped to Edinburgh Castle in 1457 and was used for many years as protection. The bulky weapon, which weighed six tons, soon proved to be too much and was left to be used during ceremonies. That ended in 1681 when the Mons Meg exploded. A restored version of the weapon now sits in Edinburgh Castle. The carriage the Mons Meg sits upon was reconstructed based on a carving on a wall inside the castle that dates back to 1500. You just look at the cannonballs that are next to it. We have a picture here and they're huge. I mean, they're ginormous. During the Lang Siege in 1573, the eastern defenses of the castle were toppled and the Regent Morton took over the rebuilding of the castle. Much of what is currently part of the castle was built during this time. In the 18th and early 19th century, Edinburgh Castle was used as a military prison. A massive prison break occurred in 1814, and so the castle was named a national monument, and from that time forward, it has been a tourist destination. I guess they figured if they can break out of the prison, we really can't use it for that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Wise. People enter the castle through the Castle Esplanade, which was originally designed as a ceremonial parade ground and gives a beautiful view of Edinburgh. We have poet and novelist Sir Walter Scott to thank for the public's access to the castle. He was able to get royal approval in 1818 to open the sealed oak and iron doors of the crown room and reveal the Scottish crown jewels to the world. The oldest building among the collection that make up the castle is the aforementioned St. Margaret's Chapel. Its chancel arch is one of the only original parts still left of the original castle, and it has more modern stained glass windows. One of the windows features St. Margaret. Another building is the Royal Palace, where the Stone of Destiny and Scotland's crown jewels are kept, and a wonderful clock tower is located here as well. For those who don't know, the Stone of Destiny is a biblical relic brought to Ireland and then Scotland by Scottish royalty, and legend claims that the stone is where Jacob rested his head when he had his dream about Jacob's ladder. Did you know that? I did not. I didn't either. In 1888, the gatehouse was built and statues of Robert the Bruce and William Wallace were placed there in 1929 in honor of the heroes. The Half Moon Battery is behind the gatehouse and was used as defense with cannons being fired from this area. The Great Hall was built during the 16th century with a hammer beam roof that is one of the most extraordinary medieval wooden roofs in the world, featuring carved stone heads and symbols including the green man and a pair of thistles, and is located at the heart of Castle at Crown Square. The thistle is the flower of Scotland and represents longevity. The green man is also known as Jack in the Green and heralds spring and symbolizes the cycle of life, death, and rebirth. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors.
All of this history and lore leads to the possibilities of a very supernatural location. People died here, were imprisoned here, worshipped here, and lived amazing lives here. Enbra is considered the most haunted city in Europe, and Enbra Castle is its most haunted location. And what really sucks is because this is still a military installation, nobody has ever been allowed to investigate there. Oh. So proving that it's the most haunted location is just based on people who work there or have toured there and have had experiences. Right. But we've never had a television show or anything been able to go in there. Beneath the castle lies the dungeon. America has a connection to Edinburgh Castle dating back to the Revolutionary War. Prisoners of that war were taken to the castle and their ghosts are sometimes seen there. The ghosts of French prisoners of war from the Seven Year War have been reported also. There's a ghost of a prisoner here who in life had thought he had devised the perfect plan for escape. He figured, Kelly, if he climbed into the dung barrel, which was Um, full of, well, crap, bleep, (laughs) that he could make his grand escape when it was taken out and dumped on the hill. Oh, lordy. What he hadn't accounted for was that this pile was going to be dumped over the rocky crags and he was thrown down to his death. His body may have been free, but his spirit is trapped here at Edinburgh Castle. He is temperamental and tries to push people from the battlements. And since his final place in life was in the dung heap, people report the smell of dung on occasion. I'd be a little angry in the afterlife too, I guess. If you had to smell the rest of your life like poop. Yeah, but he made his choices. He did. I'm sorry, but I'm not burying something that smells like poop. Ghostly dog barks have been heard coming from the pet cemetery on the property, and one ghost dog has been reported on several occasions. A specter in a leather apron has been seen and is reported to appear as an old man. These types of full-body apparitions are very unique and rarely seen, but at the castle, they are the most reported type of phenomenon. And I don't know if he's wearing a leather apron because of whatever work he did, whether it was a blacksmith or a butcher, I'm not sure. Or maybe he tortured people in the dungeon. I don't know. <laughs> My guess would be blacksmith. Yeah. There are also claims of shadow people, mists, strange lights, and drops in temperature. Another full body apparition that has been seen and most definitely heard is that of the Piper. The Piper was employed by the castle to help with the exploration of underground tunnels. It was thought that the sound of pipes would help lead the way for those above ground to find out where the tunnels led, and for a bit, this plan worked. But slowly, the piper's music began to fade, and soon the people above ground could no longer hear his pipes. A small group was sent in search of the piper, but he was gone as if he had disappeared, and they decided to close up the tunnels, and they were sealed. He was either buried alive in the tunnels, or something quite strange happened to him. The sound of his pipes can be heard emanating from the walls, and the tunnels which run under the Royal Mile have had pipe music floating all the way to street level at times as well. During the 17th century, the ghost of a drummer boy started to be seen. He is usually seen headless and generally only during times of war. So I'm taking it he got a cannonball to the head at some point? Maybe. The sound of his drums have been heard, but no reports past 1960 have been made about this spirit, more than likely because we are in a time of peace. No one knows who he is or how he came to lose his head. The Grey Lady also haunts the castle. She's thought to be Janet Douglas, also known as Lady Glamis, and is seen dressed like a 16th century noblewoman. Lady Glamis spent some time in the dungeon of the castle after being accused of practicing witchcraft. Accusations of her plotting to kill the king were added to the list of wrongdoing, and she was sentenced to death. She was burned at the stake in front of her son on July 17, 1537. 
How horrible. Yeah. Her ghost is seen among the battlements and the haunting sound of hammers at work have been attributed to the construction of the platform upon which she was executed. Her apparition is usually seen weeping. There's actually a witch's well on the property in honor of all the people burned at the stake right outside of the castle after being accused of witchcraft. If you think all these reported hauntings are poppycock, in 2001, a scientific study was conducted by a skeptical scientist by the name of Dr. Richard Wiseman. So this is probably the only quote-unquote professional investigation that's been done here in the castle. He used participants that knew nothing about the castle and equipped them with the best equipment of the time, and the results astonished him. Areas that had been reported to be haunted in the past were the same areas his test group registered activity. The website about.com describes the experiment on their paranormal page like this. As part of the Edinburgh International Science Festival, Dr. Richard Wiseman, a psychologist from Hertfordshire University in Southeast England, enlisted the help of 240 volunteers to explore the allegedly haunted sites in a 10-day study. Chosen from visitors around the world, the volunteers were led in groups of 10 through the creepy, damp cellars, chambers, and vaults. Wiseman's team came prepared with an array of high-tech ghost-busting equipment, such as thermal imagers, geomagnetic sensors, temperature probes, night vision equipment, and digital cameras. Again, this is back in 2001 before they had a lot of the equipment that we have today. Each of the volunteers were carefully screened. Only those who knew nothing about Edinburgh's legendary hauntings were allowed to participate, yet by the end of the experiment, nearly half reported phenomenon that they could not explain. Wiseman tried to be as scientific as possible about the study. The volunteers were not told which particular cells or vaults had previous claims of strange activity. They were taken to locations with a reputation for being haunted as well as red herring vaults that had no history of activity at all. Yet the highest number of paranormal experiences by the volunteers were reported to take place in the very areas that did have the haunted reputations. While Dr. Wiseman is reluctant to declare the castle haunted by ghosts, he does agree that something strange is happening at the castle. In 2003, the castle underwent an intense renovation, which seemed to wake up some spirits of prisoners who had died in the dark prison vaults. Construction workers claimed to be harassed by ghosts dating to the Napoleonic Wars, and they refused to work in the area anymore. So are these unusual experiences a result of the human imagination or some other phenomenon? Is the castle just old and thus creepy and cold? Has the legend and lore taken on a life of its own? Or is Edinburgh Castle indeed one of the most haunted locations in the world? That, that is for you to decide. Thanks so much for joining us on this Redux. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.